This week on Podcast 17, we share our impressions on Eye of the Storm. We talk about the city and how you can contribute. And Ryan and I have a lengthy discussion with Mike, PR rep from Dystopia. So stay tuned to Podcast 17. All right, welcome to another edition of Podcast 17, episode 11561 on February 14th, actually. We're recording a day earlier because I am leaving for Vegas tomorrow on Sunday, so it should be interesting. That that kind of leads me to my first problem. I don't know how much next week's podcast is going to be interesting. Thomas, the podcast next week relies on you playing a lot of things. Yes, it does sound like that, but I, I also have a question. Since yep. we're recording uh, a, d- a day earlier, does that mean that the number is adjusted for that, our podcast number, or are we still running off of the podcast number if it would be Sunday? No, because I uh, we will be releasing on Monday, so that's normal number still. It's all about the uh, release date, not when we record. I see. <laughs> Ryan asked what the podcast... Anyway, before before I go into talking about people, I'm going to introduce people. Um, this week we got Thomas, as you just heard. Uh, Ryan Stenchy from ModDB. How you doing, Ryan? Doing good. Yeah. Thank you for getting up so early, by the way. <laughs> it's 7 a.m. over here. <laughs> that sucks. And we got Mike Urinal Cake from Dystopia, who's our special interviewee. Hey, how's it going? I gotta stop drinking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very Canadian show. I mentioned this before we were recording. We got uh, three Canadians. One person from the UK, and I think Mike's from the States. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I'm... Uh... I'm down in the southern area, so I mean, but you know, I, I'm from Michigan, so I know of Canada. Oh, I've you're heard from of Michigan. <laughs> I've yeah. heard of it. It's up there somewhere. <laughs> it's yeah, it's somewhere north. What part of Michigan, actually? Uh, Detroit, uh, Berkeley area. Dude, what the hell? I'm in Windsor. <laughs> no way. That's awesome. That's that is awesome. Not gonna lie. That's really cool. For those who don't know, Windsor is like literally like a stone's throw away from Detroit. That's really cool. Anyway, um, back to. Back to the podcast. Uh, Ryan was actually asking what the numbers meant. For those who didn't catch it last week, the numbers are an increment of how many hours there are in a week. Um, but we kind of messed it up. So it's really just a random jumble of numbers now. There's no <laughs> there's no correlation because I messed it up when Philip left. <laughs> um, anyway, Podcast 17 News. Uh, we have a new stream up now. We Nick and I, mainly Nick, have been working this week on uh getting a new flash stream on the uh on the website so now you don't have to directly download the podcast we have a little flash bar in there. a lot of people were pissed that they couldn't stream the audio i actually like the new one better um it it fits for some reason it fits a lot better in my opinion so it's nice well just streaming anything is good yeah so people don't have to waste their download or their hard drive space well, they just don't have to wait. It's just instant. You know, you click it and you're listening to it right away. Exactly. So it's it's nice. Uh, so hopefully we'll get a lot more listeners like that. Next on our Podcast 17 News is Neptune Apology. Um, Neptune actually made a news post on their ModDB profile about this. A couple episodes earlier, and uh, this is when Thomas said he didn't like puzzle-based going back and forth of single-player mods. You remember this, Thomas? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, um, I was actually quoted saying that Neptune released a trailer, and uh, the trailer had their first maps, like in the sequence of their series. It's not actually their first maps. I don't know where I got that information. I probably just pulled it out of my ass. But uh, it's not their first maps. They assured us that they actually have a really sweet intro ready for the mod. So I apologize to Neptune. Sorry for all the confusion. Sorry for everybody out there who uh, might have thought that Neptune was kind of giving away too much with their trailer. But the trailer is sweet anyway. You can check it out, uh, and you can see kind of the direction the mod's going. So that's that. Um, follow up in Arata. This week we got Strider Mountain pre-release uh, again. Actually, it was reposted on ModDB, and it actually includes uh, like more more content than the one that was posted on Planet Philip, which is interesting. I still haven't played it yet, but if you haven't played Strider Mountain, or if you're a huge Strider Mountain pl fan and only played the one on Planet Philip, uh, go play the one on ModDB now, because it has extra content, says Cube Dude, uh, which is one of the mappers, or sorry, modelers at Strider Mountain. And uh, next we got GoldenEye Source Beta 3. Last week we talked about this really shortly because it was just released the day before the podcast and nobody really had a time to play it. Uh, I talked about it on the modcast with Ryan and Dave at ModDB, but I just want to say that this mod is friggin' awesome. I played like six hours of it. Um, if you are a GoldenEye fan, you need to download this mod now and play it and reminisce like the golden old days. Uh, it's still not completely done. One thing is they don't have the Moonraker laser yet, which is rather depressing. And they don't have like RPGs <laughs> and stuff, but uh, it was awesome. It's awesome. Very, very, very They don't cool. have any... They don't have the... Uh... Was it RCP90 or is it the RP90? Oh, they they, the they have the RP90. They don't have the actual okay, RPG, cool. the rocket launcher, though. Oh, okay. I love playing. That's that that's thing. okay though, because that thing didn't work very well. No, if I remember correctly. All it basically was is you pointed, and then like an explosion happened where you were pointing. Yeah, <laughs> there wasn't any like rocket or anything. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. But anyway, check out GoldenEye Source Beta Three. Um, very 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 awesome. So cool. Um. Next, straight from the mouth of Valve, Left 4 Dead DLC free. We were talking about this last week when we were talking about the Left 4 Dead DLC and SDK, Elemental P. It's now free for Xbox 360 and PC users. I mean, it's not out yet, but it will be free, which is awesome because that'll include the new survival. Which, pack. I mean, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of hubbub of like, oh my God, is it going to be free for PC? Of course it's going to be free for PC. Like, did, did anybody else like have a... Like, think that they're gonna actually release paid dlc for pc i mean it's it's good news for the 360 but i mean pc come on it's always gonna be free if they all of a sudden decide to change that their their business model of re releasing free dlc then uh you know i think a lot of people bought alpha dead a lot of valve uh fanboys bought left for dead knowing that this follow-up would be coming for free so uh i mean for me it doesn't <laughs> doesn't sound like particularly big news but everyone else is like oh yeah it's free of course it's gonna be free i was a little bit skeptical though to be honest i mean i wouldn't put really? it past them if they charged because um if they act yeah but I, I mean you gotta think about it this way they charged uh this one time sure they may make a lot of money off of it i mean but i mean for the next game people will be calling that into question uh and i think when most people buy valve games they think you know well, Valve is really good about their support uh, post-release, and and you know they always release free DLC, so we can expect that from them. And you know, I, I think that's something that they are banking on for Left 4 Dead. So 
releasing it for paid, I, I think, would would hurt them in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick and I were talking uh, when this was released, and uh, I was on the fence about it. He was like, yeah, Left 4 Dead DLC is going to be free for PC, and he was right. But, uh, you know, it, it makes you think about the 360. If every other DLC for the 360 outside of Left 4 Dead for most other games is is charged, I wonder what Valve had to do to Microsoft or do for Microsoft in order to make the DLC for Left 4 Dead free. Because isn't it going through Microsoft servers anyway? Like the content? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, usually Microsoft will, will make uh, companies charge for their DLC, so I don't know what they had to do. Oh, Gabe had to, expensive. <laughs> had to put on the knee pads or something. But, uh, <laughs> Gabe might have had to do something a little naughty. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I mean, knows. maybe they're using their own servers. Yeah, like Nick was Nick just said. I don't know. Yeah. Because well, we know they might have completely circumvented Microsoft. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't know if you can even do that, though. Man, Microsoft's such a giant. They want control of their whole platform, so... I don't know. It's interesting, though. I mean, that's why it's interesting. It's not interesting. Well, everybody kind of knew it was going to be free for the PC, but, uh, no, this is different. Right. Than well, I mean, most... it's a much more bigger deal for PC than, than 360, I mean, just because of the SDK and everything like that. Right. Uh, for for Xbox 360, I, I, I don't know. Okay, so the, you have the two... You have the two verse, new versus campaigns, which is the rest of the single-player campaign maps. And then what is what else is there in addition to that? Are they including that survival pack or whatever? The survival. Oh right, the survival pack. Yeah. So. Well, okay. I think I think how they're remedying it is actually they're they they are rebundling the uh, DLC into disc format and then selling that at retail again. Oh. So, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's uh, straight from the mouth of Valve. Not much mo- not much more news other than that. Um, portal releases, uh, two portal releases on the list here from Aperture Labs. Very good site for those people who don't know or who like, uh, portals. Aperture Labs is a good site that posts a lot of maps, actually. Uh, the first one is Stink with Portals. Uh, I haven't played either of them, but I'm just making, bringing them up to people's attention. And the act- next one is, uh, Anxious Chamber. And we talked about Anxious Chamber a while back. I said it was a little bit too easy. This is Anxious Chamber 2, and, uh, it's running at a 5.0, so like a perfect score right now on uh, aperture labs a lot of people are th- saying it's really good so uh maybe you should have check you, that one out. Ha- have you guys played a lot of portal maps like i started recently actually oh really yeah thomas uh i don't know i tried to play a few map packs but i just got very disconnected i think one of the reasons why i enjoyed portal so much was not the puzzle but the story so it wasn't wasn't as fun as it could have been for me yeah. Right. I mean, the only two map packs I've played are the the big ones, like the Flash Portal map pack and then Portal Prelude, which is which is a mod, but it's you know it's basically a map pack. But uh, um, I'm just wondering of these user created maps, like how varying is the quality? Like, are are some of these just puzzles like insanely hard? Well, we talked about last week about a map pack called Cryolab, which was almost a mod in itself, and uh, that was insanely hard. I mean, it varies. It varies on the mapper's skills, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Some mappers are just getting started and playing around with certain chambers. Other mappers are really hardcore into it and put a lot of thought into it. So the difference between portal maps and maybe downloading like a Half-Life 2 single-player map on FPS Banana or something is that you're not really sure what you're getting into uh, to start with. Uh, you know, there's that extra element of challenge instead of, you know, how well the map is designed. 
<laughs> I don't know. Most of the time when I go to FPS, man, I don't know what I'm getting into. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you can look at the screenshots and say, yeah, this looks like a crappy map. There's nothing more, more than that. Some of the portals maps look crappy, but the challenge is still there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So. Well, don't they? Do they all use the same type of textures? You know. Uh, most of the, them do. The but Cryolab, like uh, I hate to go over, always harp back to it, but uh, this used a lot of the Half Life Two, um, Half Life ah, Two okay. assets, which was nice because it almost made it look like like a whole different environment in some areas. So. Cool. It was cool. So there are some good maps out there. You just have to kind of dig for them. So that's Portal yeah, releases. That's... Um, next on our list is Left 4 Dead releases. Two maps came out this week called uh, Dead City, which looks okay. Um, I'm not sure if this is... Yeah, this is the one Nick and I played. It's only um, versus, but you can play like kind of versus campaign if you all join, you know, the survivor team. So that's just kind of how it works out. It was fun. It's still really very much in beta. There's a lot of areas that had issues, like you would climb up on top of buildings and you can just follow the map and, you know, you can like actually touch the skybox. It was kind of really stupid. Um, but the map is definitely progressing in a, in a very good format. Um, it's long too, um, probably about, you know, 20 minutes of gameplay, which is nice. Um, the next map is Get Out Alive. We didn't play this one, but this one doesn't look too great. It looks like you almost <laughs> got like three chimneys spouting fire coming out of the ground. <laughs> Yeah, it it doesn't really look that great. It's getting a player rating of three point five one, which is about half, right? So, I don't know. Um, not. It looks like it was a a port from Doom, I think. Yeah, almost. I don't know. It just doesn't look like a good mob map. But check out Dead City. Um, unless you don't like betas, then I wouldn't suggest getting it. Anyway, that's it for Left 4 Dead releases. The actual release list for mods for this week, and uh, topping it off and making headlines this week was, of course, Eye of the Storm, Episode 1. And I know none of the guests have played this, but I just want to talk about this mod, because, in my opinion, this is the most epic single-player mod for Half-Life 2 out there right now. It is the best thing I've ever played in terms of mods for single-player and it is ridiculously professional. Maybe even more professional than the Half-Life 2 episodes. That's how far I'm going to go in saying that. Um, Eye of the Storm takes place in a different city. I think it's like City 24. I can't say for sure. Don't quote me on that. Sorry if I'm wrong. But uh, City 24 or something yeah, like City that. Yeah, City 24. Yeah? Okay, cool. Um, and you're basically just you know a citizen, and you have to make your way out. The first episode follows a lot of the Half-Life 2 structure in that uh, you start off, you're kind of captured, um, and then you meet a friend who's actually posing as a Metrocop soldier a la like what Barney did. He brings you into a room, and he's like, this is your mission, you have to get here. And then from there, it kind of develops itself. Um, it's very cool because it follows a lot of the canter of Half-Life. Um, in the next set of rooms, you actually enter a train station, and instead of Breen talking on the screen, um, it's a female... Um, it's a female who's talking about, you know, the benefits of being in the cities, the benefits of the combine, um, the benefits of, you know, all a la 1984-ish type talk. And the voice actress for that is actually the same voice actress in Black Mesa Source. So it's incredibly prof professional. This mod Man, is so those, well done. Man, those Black Mesa Source voice actors, they get around, hey? I know. It's crazy. It's being passed around to, to every Half-Life 2 mod mm -hmm. out there. It's pretty crazy. Um, I don't want to give away too much spoilers because Nick's already given me the cue, but, uh, 
the intro video is just so amazing. If you if you're gonna download this mod, just watch the intro video. And if you don't want to do anything else, just watch the intro video. It's about like know, five minutes long, and it is so amazing. There's a t there's a point in it where like time just stops, and this car is going over a bridge. Spoiler! It's not a spoiler. <laughs> Give me a break. They've probably already played it, but there's debris just everywhere, and the camera does like a whole matrix pan. It is so awesome. Okay, okay, spoiler, spoiler. But uh, <laughs> yeah, apparently this this mod is actually like a, a sequel to the Raven Home. Raven Home mod. Yeah. But yeah, it's gotten a lot of good comments, a lot of good reviews on ModDB, so uh, I'm right. gonna check it out definitely. I'm gonna say a couple other things, but nothing about the no. game. No, 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 no more. Be quiet. No, no, no. There's challenge. No more. I already want to play. Wanna I already want to play it. No, 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 no. You don't get it. No, no, no. There's challenge maps, which add an extra element of gameplay to the mod because you replay the levels that you previously played, only in a different type of mission. And there's also developer commentary, so they actually which is really it. interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean. Modders, I mean, if this mod looks as good as as you say it does, then I think, you know, modders would uh, benefit from just jumping in and taking a look at the commentary mm -hmm. and see how they did things. I don't know if it was just me, but the commentary was really low. Like, the audio was really low. I had to turn on subtitles. It might have just mm -hmm. been me. Maybe I had something turned down. But uh, it was it was crazy. Like, this mod is just so crazy. You need to play it. If you haven't played it, play this, and then go back and play Ravenholm. Because it kind of harps on that story a little bit. So, I'm done talking about that. I'm sorry. But I just wanted to emphasize how awesome this is. People need to play this mod. <laughs> okay, anyway, next on the list is another version of Half-Life Rally. This is intense. Um, Half-Life Rally 1.10 beta plus 59 courses. I think, what was it before, Thomas? Was it like 51 or something? It was like, like? 55 or Five, something I think like it was that. like 55. Yeah. What is it with this map? <laughs> I mean, this mod. It's like coming back from the dead. I remember being excited about this mod in like 1999 or I don't know, 2004 or something like that. It was, it's crazy. I know. Like, and I don't know who's doing it. Who's making this stuff? It's just like, I don't know. It's from God or something. <laughs> it is so weird. But uh, check out Half-Life Rally. I haven't downloaded it yet. But if they keep making releases, I'm going to have to. So, it's a lot of maps. Wow. Next on our list, Portal Project Beta um, Demo. The name beta is actually in the name of the mod. Don't get confused. Um, I haven't downloaded this because I don't download Portal Demos, only because it will ruin the actual release for me. But uh, if you're following Portal Project Beta, check it out and uh, download the demo. Next on our list is Co-op Labyrinth. Nick and I played this, and uh, this is a quick map that we pulled off of FPS Banana, and uh, all it is is basically a cooperative HL2DM map where you run around, and uh, you have to basically make it to the end. It's a labyrinth. It's extremely hard. Um, we actually got fed up and just turned on Noclip, but there's a lot of <laughs> jumping puzzles, and... Uh, the, the idea is there's these traps around the map, and if your friend gets trapped in a map or trapped in a trap, then you have to go save him. But most of the times we just didn't save each other. We just typed killing console and went back to the spawn. So it's not really cooperative in that sense. Uh, but there are some really cool things. You have to do grenade jumps, and you really have to think about it. If you have tons of time to kill, and I mean like tons, like hours, um, then this is for you. But if you have a busy schedule, 
Or if you're like a speedrunner or something. Yeah, if you like those types of Creed's maps, because there are some crazy Creed's jumps in here too. Um, we had fun, but like I said, we just ended up acting stupid, turning on cheats and spawning like mountains of medkits and crashing my server. But <laughs> The creator's pulling out his hair right now. He's like, no, you've turned on no cliff. Ah! <laughs> yeah, Nick made oh a medkit city. It was kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, next on the list is Combine Surveillance. Another map from FPS Banana that we pulled down. Um, this guy said he worked extremely hard on it, and it's actually pretty nice. It's short, ridiculously short. Um, you can tell he concentrated a lot on the brushwork, um, but I don't think he really justified his map very well. Um, he made a big deal about how much he worked his ass off on it, um, but this isn't really that special, so don't get confused um however it is really really fun the lighting is really superb in this map and uh you know it's very linear you're basically just making it from point a to point b and killing some combine along the way so if you kind of like downloading half-life 2 single player maps this is for you um but don't get too too excited that's all i'm gonna say um eternal silence there's a short eternal silence update it fixes some lag uh you can check that out download that uh not really much else to say um the city, I promised the creator of the city, and I don't know if you guys want to open up the mod DB profile right now. I promised him that I would play his demo, and if you guys remember a while back, the city is the, I don't know, the byproduct of a mod called Custom Co-op. And uh, the guy who created Custom Co-op said he was going to beat out, like, or that was developing Oh yes, I remember this gentleman. Yeah, he said he was going to beat out Synergy and send Co-op all combined and make the best co-op mod ever but his screenshots were really 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 low quality and you can tell you know this is kind of his introduction to development um so i i mentioned to him i said well maybe you should start a little bit smaller um a couple maps maybe make it into a mod if you if you really want to go that far and he did um which is nice so this is the byproduct of that it's called the city and i promised him i'd play it he has a demo out there are, let me just tell you right now, there are a lot of things wrong with this demo. Um, but I kind of want to give the Podcast 17 listeners some homework in that uh, if you are a developer or if you have some really nice things to say or some constructive criticism, download this demo and uh, message him on either ModDB or comment in the comments and give him constructive criticism. He's a really nice guy. And I remember myself in his situation like years ago when I was when I was first getting into mapping and just looking for you know information and criticism from people. And uh, he's very polite and he'll take criticism from anybody. And uh, he's really working hard. So rip apart his map by all means. Find everything, find everything wrong with it, and send it over his way and tell him how he can improve it because that's what it's all about for him. So I just wanted to mention that. Do you guys have anything to say like right now for him? um very boxy yeah yeah like and that's that's the problem with every new mapper it's not something unique to him or his style is uh he's got lots of boxes lots of straight lines and he needs to learn to bend those straight lines sometime just to break up things because if i'm if i feel like i'm playing inside a box it feels like i'm playing inside a box i'm not playing half-life 2 (laughs) One of the things, one of the main things I actually mentioned to him was, uh, was, you know, go outside, look at some architecture around your city and maybe just like 
draw it a little bit. Get out of your house, man. (laughs) Well, no, like, seriously, think about how, like, walls intersect roofs and, uh, you know, what is there? Is there, like, trim there? Um, Or does it just end? Does it brush up against? Because all these little details, like, really pop your map out. Urinal cake, you got anything to say for him? Since you're the developer here. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, um, I mean, if the comment is that his maps are boxy, then, I mean, that's... Uh, his his immediate feedback is going to be, you know, okay, I'm going to gonna work on it a little bit more, but, I mean, I would just suggest to look into good ways to actually split that stuff up while keeping it optimized. I mean, that's super important, that stuff be, uh, be optimized, or else you're going to lose huge amounts of frames while in-game. Mm-hmm. Of course. And that's another thing to keep in mind. Uh, turn on your R speeds and check that out and everything. I think this is a very noble thing that you're doing, William. Oh, thank you. Bringing, <laughs> bringing the community together and encouraging people <laughs> to, you know, put forth constructive criticism. Um, you know, because, I mean, in, in other parts, uh, it would be so easy to slam, slam a mod like this, but uh, uh, just encouraging people to, to give their feedback in a positive way is... Something that gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I make you all happy inside, Ryan. Yes. I aim to please, of course. The thing is, I know there's a lot of people at, like, Interlopers who listen to this podcast and uh, who have a lot of really good things to say. And, you know, people from Planet Phillip, the good side of the internet, almost. <laughs> and could really help oh, yeah, this guy. So, so you like to think yeah. of you... So what are you saying? Are you inferring <laughs> that you're better than ModDB? No, no, I'm just saying that some people on ModDB can be rather harsh. No, no, I agree with you there. But uh, yeah, I mean, no, I, I do agree with you there. There's a lot of people on ModDB who who just talk out of their ass, frankly, and, and don't even know what they're talking about when when they talk about mods um, or, or the development of them. But uh, so so any of you developers out there that can, you know, bring your your experience to to any of these younger mods and, and just point out certain things that maybe that may might be obvious to to you as a developer, but not to them as as beginning uh, modders. Um, I think I think that's you know that's invaluable to to some of these earlier mods and some of these guys that are just starting out. And the more you share, the more they learn to. That's that's the the way to do things, and they'll share with others that come along as well. So. Mm-hmm. And there's things like You're starting the cycle. There's things that new people overlook. I mean, just really simple things. One thing off the top of my head with uh, the city, and I'll mention this now, is that he has a fence, right? You have to stack these boxes to get over the fence. Well, what happens if the player breaks the boxes? There should always be an alternative. And right, uh, right. S- since he's new to you know the development scene, he's, he's not really thinking of these things. Uh, it, and that's fine. But uh, you know these things should be made known to him. And uh, it, it helps. It really does help. Um, so anyway, that's that. And it it won't take that much out of your time. I mean, the thing's like 10 minutes long. You can make quick notes and notepad, and away you go. It's really that simple. So just give him some criticism if you have some free time. And remember, remember what you were like when you were at that stage and how much help you wanted. So there, that's what I'm going to say. Be kind. <laughs> Next on our list is Fortress Forever. 2.3 was released. Um, I haven't played 2.3, but I did play 2.2, and I, I'm I'm in love with Fortress Forever. I, I love it. It's back to the old TFC days, and then some. I actually even enjoy it more than TFC. Thomas, you played 2.3? Uh, yeah, just, you know, bug fixes. Uh, there was a few improvements to some of the map layouts, some stuff that wasn't quite working. They, you know, 
concrete over some walls, bust down some others. Mm -hmm. And it seemed to improve things somewhat, but I can't say that I'm in the same boat as you are when it comes to uh, Fortress Forever. I don't enjoy it as much as you do, I don't think. Oh, that's okay. To each their own. Indeed. <laughs> so that's Fortress Forever. William's Bye. special. What's that? I said William's special. Well, I just really like TFC. It was my first mod, ever. I didn't even know it came with Half-Life when I was a kid. Ah. Or ten odd years ago. Anyway, next on the list is something that was recently just posted last night. Uh, I thought I'd throw it on for a shout. Uh, Cyberspace, Half-Life 2, Episode 2 on Planet Phillip. Check it out. It's 200 megs, and it's a single-player mod for Half-Life 2. So be prepared to use some of your bandwidth. There's tons of screenshots here. I don't know if you guys want to take a look, but it looks nice. There's, like, a fire axe, obviously custom models. It looks good. Um... Almost like uh, Arctic environment. What's that? Cyberscape, not cyberspace. Oh, sorry, cyberscape. Thank you. Ooh, they're gonna, they're gonna be mad. <laughs> it's okay. We corrected it. Whoa, those models, those character models look kind of funky. I haven't looked at the character models. I you might know, actually these weird cyborg RoboCop things. Oh they, wow! They all have like, they all have like weird expressions on their face. They're like, "Hey, I'm happy to be RoboCop." <laughs> <laughs> This looks They're awesome. Like laughing or something. We might have to follow this up. Yeah, we are going to have to follow this up. You are right. Wow. It looks nice. I like the picture of the, uh, uh, I don't know, I don't know what number it is, but there's like a little sign. It says careful, rocks falling, and this guy's head is, it's like a little, like a, you know, like a road sign. It just says careful, and there's rocks falling on somebody's head. It's hilarious. <laughs> I'm still laughing. I'm still laughing at the smile that all these Robocops have on their face. Well, check out uh, screen, screenshot 31. There's this guy lying on a table there, and he's just getting up, and he's got the same ridiculous smile. It's like, <laughs> man, I love those those <laughs> lessons. Yeah, he's like, man, I love getting anally probed. It's like, <laughs> colonics oh, gets better after every use. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. This looks Clean really good. Clean as a good. whistle. <laughs> Looks no, yeah, I mean, for all the fun yeah. that we're poking fun at it, but, uh, you know, for all we know, it could be absolutely amazing. Some of them, it kind of looks like they, Maybe selection. they give the robots drugs, so they're just, like, really, really happy all the time. The character models kind of remind me of Project Valkyrie a little bit. I don't know why. Yeah, actually, they do. Maybe Project Valkyrie crossed with natural selection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe and a little then, hybrid baby. You know, the blue rabbit that delivers drugs to my house... <laughs> this Wishful is actually thinking. this is actually a byproduct of the NAD Center, and uh, the NAD Center looks to be like a, a game development slash multimedia college for animation and design. So uh, this must must be a student project. And let me tell you, oh cool! So that that automatically gives it more a little bit more credibility. Yeah, that's what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, look at Poke Six Four Six, right? That's like one of the classic examples of a student project that just took off. Um, this is a great mod for Half-Life 1. So, yeah, check it out. Um, and maybe if you're looking into game development, you know, the NAD Center might be for you, too. So, a little bit of research involved. When do you get your check? <laughs> yeah, w w when's the endorsements come? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> hey, I just, I just go. I, I do not prepare for this at all, and we do not have any sponsors. <laughs> Enroll at NAD Center today, brought to you in part by Podcast 17. <laughs> Hold on a second, guys. I have to go grab a Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious Pepsi. 
Brought to you in part by Podcast 17. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to move over to the Media Blitz. Um, first on the list is something that looks amazing that really just came out of nowhere, and it's called My Wonderful Nightmare. If you haven't seen this on ModDB, you need to check out these screenshots. I mean, there's just like four of them, but holy crap. This this reminds me of kind of like uh, um, one of the a bunker in something like Lost or something. Does anybody else feel like that? I don't know. I'm a really big Lost fan, um, but these screenshots look nice. Uh, they got some good level design theory down. I mean, the whole yeah. particle effects with the uh, the bloom coming in from the lighting, like the lighting looks really good. I'm, I'll give you that. Looks mm-hmm. really good. Very atmospheric. Mm-hmm. So uh, it looks nice. There's not much more to say than that, but I was just blown away by these mapping, these these screenshots, and I wanted to bring it up. Next on the list is The Citizen Part 2. Um, they have a little teaser trailer. It's not very long. Um, it's actually fairly quick, probably about a bit, minute long, and uh, it gives you an idea of you know the mapping and what's included in The Citizen Part 2. It's a pretty nice trailer, um, you know, moderately done professionally. It's not like the best trailer I've ever seen, but it gets the job done, which is nice. So check that out, Citizen Part 2. Half-Life 1, the arrangement announced cooperative mode. And uh, if Podcast 17 listeners know, I am a huge co-op junkie. So this definitely, you know, tickles my taste buds, so to speak. Um... It's awesome. There's a little video of the alpha version of their AM co-op. You can check it out. Uh, we're all about videos today, and uh, it looks nice. Cooperative mode is definitely a plus. Arrangement is is one of those mods that just seems to be doing a little bit of everything, and <laughs> it, it, it's it's cool because it's all with a Half Life One engine, and it does look good. But like, do you know anything about when this thing is coming out? Thomas is our arrangement guy. Yeah, I host this. I host this uh, mod on Half-Life oh, Creations, okay. but um, th- to be honest, what he's trying to do more than create a game is to create almost a, a development engine. Uh, like right. there is a whole lot of mods that have essentially signed on to use this once it's completed, and we even had uh, it didn't work out so well, but we even had a Heart of Evil build running off of the arrangement code. I've actually got really old footage of it, and it was pretty sick, like how well, how how it worked. Um, but it's kind of in, it's also a detriment because they seem to have literally their hand in every pot. So mm-hmm. I have absolutely no idea what the final product is going to look like because there's so many RPG elements, there's so many first-person shooter elements, and now we're adding co-op. Um, it it's almost like ooh, make sure not to lose what direction you have left yeah you know because if you're all over the place then yeah yeah i I do agree with that i mean it'll be nice to see when it gets released you know like how it delivers on all these promises and stuff like that but uh i I mean they do have a mod bundled in there with it right yeah like there is an arrangement mod uh, being developed, and if you've played the demo, you already have a decent idea of the storyline. I'll have to talk to Sysop and see if he will uh, give Will and I the alpha version of this cooperative mode to play with. Yeah, that might be cool. Maybe we can have him on the show. Because arrangement is like definitely one of those things that's unique 
in the community in that exactly what you said instead of actually building a game they're building an engine and so many people pull from the arrangement mod um i can't remember the most recent example but i remember us bringing oh um plasma wasn't it plasma yep. yeah it was plasma yeah and uh, that was a little bit of a confusing debacle because they weren't actually allowed to pull from the arrangement mod. You know, it's just like things like this. So mm-hmm. it was cool. It looks cool. I mean, it's nice. Um, I mean, it looks awesome from the trailers and stuff. They really do do an awesome job with uh, with Half Life One. The shaders look great, and the uh, first person weapon reload animations. I, I love those. I'm a big fan of those. Mm-hmm. Those are from firearms, though. Those aren't made uh, okay. by them. Gotcha. Like when but those shaders look cool. Bom. I'll give it that then. <laughs> yeah. Like, this This is something I bring up pretty much every time arrangement comes up, is that most of their model skins and animation content is not their own. So. Well, you know, you gotta crack an egg to make an omelet, I think. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. I, I guess. <laughs> oh, I don't use that analogy (laughs) well don't because it sounded horrible from my perspective (laughs) well that's arrangement uh maybe we can have him on the show in the future that would be really cool um but next on the list is petrified and petrified is kind of you know i i hate to bring it up but it reminds me a lot of suicide survival um there's these statues and you kind of have to blend in with the environment and you have to steal souls um it Reminds me a lot of Suicide Survival and the gameplay elements, but they got a video. So, yeah. So, but but uh, like, can you actually move when players are looking at you? Because it's like, it, it the way they describe it is like, um, you know, you turn your back and and the the landscape is never moving, but it's always changing. So. <laughs> Have you actually played this? No, 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 no. They just no, have okay. the uh, fly through. Because it it kind of it kind of reminds me of freeze tag in a way. It's like almost like suicide survival combined with freeze tag, where you can't move if the player is looking at you. Yeah, which which is which is you know unique in its own way. If that's the way it actually plays out, mm-hmm. I can't say for sure. But the the video that um that I'm talking about is actually just a playthrough or a fly through actually of uh their their map and there's a design talk and unfortunately i watched this at work so i didn't have any audio so they could totally address what you just brought up um so i suggest everybody listen to this uh design talk it's about a minute and a half long and they talk about petrified it's come a long way very recently um they have a lot of screenshots of them doing like open beta testing with people at their school and bringing in people from the outside um so the game is very much playable in in this current state and it looks interesting. It looks very unique. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people that like the suicide survival type gameplay where they where it's something a little bit different than just running around and shooting each other in the head. Um, you know, you got this. And uh, there's a lot of people who like those to- types of, you know, schoolyard games. And that's exactly what this is. It's cool. Um, I look very much forward to it. So check that out. Um, so that finishes up our media blitz and topic of the week. And this week's topic of the week is something that you know made like a shitstorm and kicked up so much dust um, yesterday. In fact, it's already at half a million views, and it's yeah. all, it's been like you know slightly slightly more than twenty four hours. Right. So it's gonna reach a million by the end of today. 
And if you don't know what we're talking about, then shame on you. Because we, of course, are talking about Escape from City 17 Part 1. And that is the live-action Half-Life 2 remake, directed by the Purchase Brothers. And uh, it's a short film, five and a half minutes, um, and it's dubbed as Episode 1, so there are extra episodes. And if you actually get to the end, um, you know, you can see clips from the next episodes. So they've already worked on it. Um, But this thing is so friggin' amazing... It will just blow your head off. It's just like, it's better than most things you see in Hollywood. Put it that way. The CG and the way they implement, you know, it's it's better than anything that would come out of Hollywood if they were to make something like Half Life, right? In the Half Life universe, because they just totally screw it up. But But here's uh, the thing. Here's the thing. They're doing all of this on a five hundred dollar budget. Yeah, that's nuts. That's nuts. That is intense. Because so five hundred dollar budget. So you're mainly talking about equipment there. All their time and editing and stuff like that is obviously you know they're not they're not factoring that in. But uh, I mean these guys are based in Toronto, so mm-hmm. uh, that's that's another ca- Canadian element to the show. <laughs> Maybe I'll drive but, over to Toronto just to chill out with these guys. It's like I want to be in your movie. Oh wow! Just reading the additional notes right now, which they've updated. Uh, they actually flew them out to Seattle last year. Valve. Oh, very cool. Well, I mean, um, this was posted. I first saw this on Reddit yesterday morning, and then by that time, you know, it made itself on Dig, and by that time, it made itself on like every Half Life news site, and then by that <laughs> time, it made it up on fucking Steam, and Valve decided to post it. It's it's just intense the amount of you know like acclaim this thing is getting. It is so amazing. And uh, people are in love with the girl at the end. I think, every, hot. You know. <laughs> but I think I think also that she's hot because you know she's in a Half Life movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, she has to yeah. be hot for what nerds like us. Be? For nerds like us, if, I need to have anything, that female interesting. You know, if anything, I mean interest. <laughs> if anything, well, this wouldn't is, she be hot? She's holding anything, an SMG. Go Ryan. <laughs> okay, if anything, I think this proves to a lot of industry execs out there in the movie business. Yeah, I mean, you're going to see a lot of like propositioning, I think, to Valve now about an actual feature-length film just based on the popularity of this clip. Yeah, because like you said, half a million views. That's yeah, just on exactly. YouTube. And, that's... and all Valve would have to do is just pay 500 bucks. That easy. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this thing is... So intense, and the link we have up there is the link to the high quality version, and you can you need to watch this in high quality just to see how well it's done. Oh yeah, it's excellent. Yeah. And now, so, go sorry, I'm, yeah, I'm just gonna butt in here. One of the huge reliefs, and I think this is a problem with a lot of uh, movies in the video game industry, is just because you're basing the movie on the video game doesn't even mean you need to involve the main character, and this is a testament to that because I think. Gordon Freeman would make the most uninteresting movie ever. <laughs> and yeah. like yeah, the guy doesn't agreed. talk. He's a huge nerd with glasses. No one wants to watch this guy for like two hours and ten minutes. It, he would be so boring, and he would be doing things that you in the game had already done or will do. So that would piss off a whole lot of fanboys, but the fanboys can't complain if it's a group of rebels that no one's ever heard of that were probably acting on their own 
at the same time that Gordon's off doing something else. Like, mm-hmm. it's a very, very safe story, you know? You're not going to upset too many people that way. It's not something completely, you know, off-canter, like most, um, you know, like most video game ad- or movie adaptations of video games are. Um, at least it still follows the events, and it's concurrent with the Half-Life 2 storyline, but... Uh, um, you like you said, it is that much different. I want to see a Half-Life 1 version of this movie. What if, just painting a what-if picture here, they've already been flown out to Seattle by Valve, so they've already talked to Valve about this. They they say on their, on their in the notes for their YouTube video that they're already working on an unrelated feature film, and this was basically just like a spec commercial to test out production techniques, just a, a kind of learning film for them, uh, but then it kind of grew into a miniseries. So what if, what if they turn, they actually, you know, work with Valve to create something more. Wishful thinking. But yeah, wishful thinking. Yeah. But, but <laughs> I, I mean, come on. Like, I want, I want. I can't is, say I don't is, want, dude. This is kind of like money on the table for Valve. I mean, of course they want to play, they want to pay proper tribute to the actual Half-Life saga and everything like that. But if you get, you know, these guys are ultimate fans of the series they say they've been fans since i even the space biker days but <laughs> but i mean if you have fans that really understand the series and what it's all about trying to make it instead of like you know a whole bunch of hollywood bigwig execs um this could turn out to be a really big thing mm-hmm. i mean just just wishful thing i'm just putting it out there i mean to be honest just getting people excited for no reason well to be honest how many views does you know a premier hollywood movie get say on a friday night opening does anybody know does anybody know any numbers what is it like oh is it like 10 million 20 million 50 million i mean this is something that was only on the internet for one day um gets half a million views and i'm just pulling a number out of my hat but i'm gonna say like 10 million maybe for like a premiere movie um and it's getting you know like 120th which is a pretty good percentage of what a actual premiere triple a movie would get i mean that's just intense. if it had enough hype and build up to it yeah, yeah you would get tons yeah, of people interested in this and think about how many people are subscribed to steam alone you know like you already pretty much have those people guaranteed to go see this movie i'll go to theaters mm-hmm. and pay for this i'll go like 10 times so there you go exactly you know if if, <laughs> if valve actually made a half-life based movie and based it like their audience just on on steam users and kind of like you know factored in a budget that was just based on steam users like coming because everyone on steam is you know is is basically a half-life fan or they have half-life and they're aware of it and and uh you know they're the most likely candidates to go see a half-life movie they kind of base their viewers on that i i think you know they could come up with something that's that's got a a a decent budget to to kind of pay proper tribute to the half-life saga you know what's nice, though, is I trust Valve. I trust Valve more than any other development group. You know, they're not sellouts like, say, you know, what Max Payne did with the Max Payne movie. Yeah. Valve will make okay. sure this movie is right. Uh, yeah, they, if, yeah. They will not release anything that would, you know, be totally stupid to the series. So I have total faith in it. Just like they wouldn't release paid DLC for the PC. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's true too no you know I so think... this is a good business opportunity for valve yeah nick brings up something uh 
uh, important chat. You said they could have made a movie with the ad budget for Left for Dead, which was <laughs> ten million, I think. Yeah. Or was it was it ten million or two million? It was, I can't remember. It was intense. All I know is that there was an ad in Times Square, and that's enough. Yeah, that was a lot of money. But uh, God, that was crazy. Awesome, awesome. Okay, that's enough of the movie. If you haven't watched it, just pause the podcast now and watch it. And uh, you know, they probably watch have it. already by this point, so you can yeah. start listening again. <laughs> um, but it's amazing. Anyway, next up, Jailbreak. Um, they released this yesterday. I mean, it's not much of a release. Last week we talked about face poser demo, so I kind of thought this was a good idea to talk about. Um, Jailbreak actually wrote a little demo on how to make good demos, um, or wrote, wrote a little tutorial on how to make good demos using the built-in record in uh, in you know the source engine. And, uh, you know, they go through all, like, the things that you should already know or things that you don't know, and they teach you how to make a good demo, which is nice because there's a lot of people out there, a lot of mod groups who um, who have trouble, you know, really showing off their stuff. And uh, this shows you how to do everything right, which is cool. Um, and it's nice that the jailbreak are sharing sort of their secrets and their process in making things. This is what the mod Again, community is all another... about. Another warm, fuzzy feeling with people sharing with the community. <laughs> well, Jailbreak is good with this, so it's nice. Yeah. yeah. No, Wills is a really great guy, and uh, you know he spent a lot of time putting this this tur- t- this t- tutorial together. So, uh, you know, people should be very appreciative of that. And if you know if you if you uh, if you make a video as a result of this tutorial, then you know give a little acknowledgement to this and link back. Yeah. Of course, and maybe even write your own tutorial and what you did differently or any improvements to it. There you go. So so that finishes up uh, topic of the week. And before we get into our interview uh, with Mike, sorry to keep you waiting, Mike, I want to do the listener audio question first because it kind of has something to do with, uh, you know, Left 4 Dead DLC. And first off, I'm not going to read the whole email. He sent me a giant email. Um, But he's... He writes to us, he says he's a casual mapper. He started off with, you know, like Doom and Duke Nukem 3D. He's interested in getting into more mapping. And uh, he wants to know if Interlopers is a good place to meet people who might be interested in working on maps and mods together. And I'm going to say yes to the first question. Interlopers is great for anybody who wants to get into mapping. If you're a mapper and you're not registered on the Interloper forum, there's something wrong with you. Um, And then he has some questions. Uh, regarding first maps and versions, how much of a map should be complete before it gets uploaded to the masses? That's question number one. Um, are there certain expectations of a first version that should be met prior to upload? That's the second question. And this third question is maybe for um, Ryan. Is ModDB the best place to create a profile and upload custom maps? Um, so we'll, we'll start with those three. I think for a new map, should be complete before it's up. How how much of a new map should be complete before it's uploaded to the masses? And I don't know all of it. <laughs> well, I would I would think at least eighty percent because that's your perspective of a completed map. Because once you upload it, people are going to be running around, jumping in weird places, and they're going to be finding all the bugs. So the more that you think it's completed before you release it, the better because you can even release a one hundred percent completed map. And you are going to get feedback saying, ah, there's this wrong, there's this wrong, this is here. So automatically it goes from 100 maybe down to 75. Exactly. And, uh, you know, another good thing is before you actually release the map, release, you know, uh, the map on, you know, private forums and say, you know, I don't want this on 
websites, but go to Interlopers and say, hey, guys, can you maybe check out my map? It's still in beta. Um, I'm not releasing it. I just want to know what you guys think. And, you know, they'll rip it apart. They will. And uh, maybe even give it to people like Philip at Planet Philip because Philip loves ripping apart maps. And uh, he's really good at it, even though he seems harsh at times. But uh, he can really give you constructive criticism. Um, so the next question is, are there certain expectations of the first version that should be met prior to upload? And of course, um, you should have it properly play-tested, in my opinion, and properly bug-free. You know, ask the, ask the right people what to do with your map. Anybody else have anything to add to this? Uh, well, for a first release, I mean, you can't, obviously you can't ever get, you know, completely bug-free, but for a first release, you know, everyone has to keep in mind that for mods right now it's hard to get like a really good test team and a really good like repository for bugs set up and that kind of stuff for you know uh since it's your first release so bugs are going to be it's not really going to be something you can you can really help until the uh the mods released and it gets some get some players behind it and that sort of thing but i would say i mean as far as expectations go try and stave as far as away you know away uh from half-life 2 if it, uh if it's like a full modification try and go as far away from Half-Life 2 as you can, because I've noticed that there's been mods that come out that still have, like, the combined death sounds and a lot of the a lot of the same, like, <clears throat> uh, decals or sounds that um, that kind of stick around. And it, 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 if it's not, like, unfinished with purple and black textures, then or, or it's got uh, Half-Life 2 material in it, then, yeah, I mean, you might want to put a little, more, little bit more time in the cooker. Mm-hmm. And, I, and last week on the Modcast, we were talking about Eternal Silence, and Ryan can attest to this, but Eternal Silence still uses Half-Life 2 sounds. And it might seem really stupid, but it really does take away from the mod, like, entirely. Um, because, you know, you'll hear, you know, common things that hark back to Half-Life 2. It makes you realize you're playing a mod and not somebody's game. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it, I mean, as much as it sucks, um, like, right now, as far as stuff goes, like, finding a good audio guy is actually really really hard right now for some reason um animation's always been hard but yeah audio stuff's kind of hard so i mean if they if they just don't have the staff for it you know i don't think it's it's fair to kind of shoot them down over it and i'm not saying you are but i you know i think that eternal silence is a great mod i just think that uh they, there's a lot of like if you can remove it remove it and if you right. can replace it with a windows beep <laughs> replace it with a windows beep <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then the third question, maybe Ryan wants to get involved. Is ModDB the best place to create a profile and upload custom maps? Well, uh, if we're talking about custom maps, mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, if you've gone through the whole process of, you know, releasing it to small closed circles, development circles like interlopers and stuff like that, um, then I think the best way to use ModDB is, you know, even the profiles are made for, for full mods or total conversions. There's a lot of people who create profiles for just their, their map packs or their singer, single maps, and that's the best way to get feedback. So if you actually create a full-out profile for your map and, and act on that feedback and keep uh, keep updating the profile with news and, and updates that, that you get from that feedback, um, it's a good way to keep people uh, in the loop and, you know, have them, they actually can watch your profile and keep on top of updates. So, you know... If you want to have uh, a kind of like a fan base or just a follower base, 
that you know follows all your content that's a good way to use mod db the most effective way we do have like a section for add-ons but people upload add-ons again on the front page and then that's kind of it <laughs> you know whereas profiles profiles kind of have that lasting impact where people can come back to it and if you post news it can get on the front page if you post a lot of good screenshots or something like that but add-ons um not so much people have to once they fall off the front page people have to search for them specifically mm -hmm. i think there's a stigma with mod db and it's not necessarily with the whole site it's just with the half-life content of the site and that's if you're not making a mod it doesn't deserve to be on mod db but there are other games out there like unreal tournament um you know like duke nukem quake there's actual people who make like you said profiles for just their maps and they post it it's kind of weird to not see this with the half-life community and i think more people need to do it but uh i think most most people just go to fps yeah that's what I was gonna say. because it's easier for whatever reason but then again you're not getting the same the same traffic that you would for for a mod db profile right and so and fps's banana is good i mean for all means post your map on both sites definitely oh absolutely yeah um yeah. It, actually post your maps on as many sites as humanly possible um don't just stick to one place but fps is good in a different way in that uh you know it can get up there quick um you know you can get comments quick it's all about sharing as fast as you can whereas mod db it's more of a it's more of a refined art where you want to make sure everything's proper um this is your real release you know uh, most people mm -hmm. don't post you know their first maps on mod db but if you have something that you've been working on for a couple months and you really want some good input then by all means but anyway, um, there's more questions, so we're not done with this yet. Um, <laughs> the next question is, could you ask the interviewees what research they use for learning? VDC, Neosis DVDs, Google, YouTube, 3D Buzz, FPS Banana. So I guess this is more for Mike. And uh, Mike, what resources do you use when you're working on Dystopia? Uh, well, me personally, I mean, I, I don't do a whole lot of the content development, but I can really attest to all the different things that the, uh, that the rest of the team does. I mean... If they're if they're modeling, they I don't think that there's a limit to what you know you can look at. There are so many great like Max or Maya forms out there right now, and all those are definitely you know the greatest things that you can that you can sign up and uh, and just be a part of. But for like level design and that kind of thing, that's kind of more of like a deep rooted you know you might want to just look into the tutorials and the video tutorials and that kind of thing and check out that kind of stuff but i mean i you know i don't think any of us have ever used like the the noesis uh like dvds you know that nothing wrong with that i mean i think they're probably very high quality and professional but you know we're us as a team we're more of like just the the scour the internet kind of you know what can we find on forms and what can we find on tutorials if we you know if the need arises but that you know never Especially with with gaming stuff, you know, gaming is very like game development stuff is very popular right now. So, don't be surprised to find just tons and tons and tons of material about modeling and animation out there on on all these different forms. Uh, game audio is going to be your like largest thing that you're not going to really you're going to have trouble finding you know good sound engineering uh, tips or I guess guides or tutorials or things like that. So. Mm -hmm. Um, Nick actually posted another link too that a lot of people overlook and Nick's all about optimization and we'll put this in the show notes um, but it's called the Half-Life 2 Map Editing Optimization Guide and uh, 
zombies optimization guide he says and it's actually a really good guide that people overlook um and it makes make sure your map runs as good as it can you know and make sure you put proper viz groups in there and don't use the carve tool that much because that adds a lot of brushes you know it's just like really things like this that people overlook um and there's tons of there's tons of resources out there but definitely like what mike said um just scour the net I would I would really encourage something um, that I'm sure a couple of different mod teams have done like in the past and you know if you have if you have like a lot more level designers on your team than you know like let's say you have four or five you know that that's a good amount for a mod say a total conversion um, something that we've been doing like within the last two years has been a lot of uh, collaborative map making you know people will be able to tell you how to optimize stuff and they'll be able to send you links and that kind of thing. But so there's some people out there who just, you know, are stubborn about their maps, but they're going to be less stubborn. I mean, it's, you know, it's the truth. You know, people are really, you know, especially in mod teams, there's a whole, uh, like intellectual property fight. It seems, you know, Oh, I made this, I made this, this doesn't belong to the team. You know, I, I should have this kind of control over stuff. So, um, you know, people get stubborn and, and doing collaborative maps, you know, using like an application like uh, Dropbox or just uploading it to the FTP or something like that. You know, we've really found that it just, you know, there's stuff that even the best mapper can, can uh, forget or, you know, go through and not see that someone else who isn't, you know, the greatest mapper might not see. So, you know, working together and actually, you know, get it, giving each other the uh, VMF is, is something to experiment with with most mod teams. I wouldn't, you know, suggest it for a brand new one, but collaborative mapping is definitely really cool. So it's almost like the Dystopia team is a party of communists. Yes, I I would say we are we're wow. high volume communists. In dystopia, I don't know where you got that from. In dystopia, map owns you. Oh my god! Really? Oh, I'm just be glad kidding. I'm here this time. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding with you. I had to say it. All right, and the very last thing. Um, this is why I wanted to talk about this before we got into the interview. Um, he actually. Uh, Jeff contacted um, Chet from Left 4 Dead and asked him about the SDK. And I'm not sure how much of this information is public, and I'm not sure how much of this information is really real, but I'll reply, I'll read you what Chet said back. And Chet is known as somebody who replies to almost everybody's email, so I'm sure this is real. Um, Jeff asked, um, he wanted to know a little bit about the SDK delay and wanted to know if it was due to the tutorials. And uh, Chet replied, said, Jeff, the tutorials have been done. They have no impact on the SDK schedule. What is what is it? What we are doing is that we are doing some new things in the SDK. How the how Left 4 Dead works in general, and the need to have matchmaking be able to work with the community maps. So as soon as we get those things nailed down, the SDK will ship. Thanks, Chet. So it seems there's tons of tutorials available for the SDK when it's out. Um, they're just nailing down, you know, the matchmaking and making sure Left 4 Dead works with custom maps, which is awesome. So uh, I'm very much happy about that and nick actually makes a good point again in chat he says maybe they could release the tutorials early get people prepped get their maps prepped so we'll salivating at the mouths oh they're dead <laughs> well there are a lot of people who have maps ready you know they're just waiting yeah. for the sdk so these types of things can help them okay anyway so on to the interview um like everybody already knows we got mike urinal cake from dystopia and uh mike why don't you tell us what you do for dystopia 
Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, lead producer. Uh, I do a lot of the uh, creative direction and planning for uh, Dystopia. And uh, so, you know, milestones, deadlines, that kind of stuff. And then I do the PR, uh, the public relations side of stuff, you know, like the news post and that kind of thing. But I have been known to put in a couple different textures and, you know, maybe help out with maps, but a lot of doing a lot of sound stuff in the past. So, you know, I'm an in-between guy, um, but primarily the production stuff and keeping keeping everyone informed of what we're doing and when we have to do it by is is kind of my main job. I don't think there's enough people who do that, who take enough mods who do that. That take there, There's not enough people who realize it's important. Right. You know, and, and this can come from me saying this, but I mean, being in the industry, I know how important it is for milestones and that kind of, for, for deadlines and, and having a, a good production schedule, especially if you're going to be one of those mods that show off like such great stuff. But, you know, if someone asked you, when are you guys coming out? And you really, really couldn't give them any kind of answer, then you need to probably reevaluate what you're looking at. At least give, you know, like a quarter two, quarter three, you know, this year just type analysis or something. So when's the next version of Dystopia coming out? <laughs> <laughs> well, as far as it is planned, I mean, we've got a lot of content releases planned for the future with the Steamworks stuff, so. Right. Which we will get. Next, next couple of months, yes, yeah. Of course. Okay, cool. And how long have you been with Dystopia? You have an answer for me. I'm just wondering if you... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, how long have you been with Dystopia then? Have you been there since? Uh, man, let's see. I mean, not a whole lot of people know, but you know, Dystopia started off with a completely different team. Um, in God, oh uh, five, uh, like well before oh five, it released in oh five for uh, the demo, um, the demo version, and that's like right when I jumped on as like super fanboy because <laughs> you know, of course, yeah, everyone played it back when it yeah. released. You know, it's like six. 7,000 players at some at, at one time is what st- uh, the Steam stats recorded. And, you know, everyone was, was flipped out about that. So, I mean, I just, you know, I stuck with it. I, I came from the NS community, um, doing a lot of stuff over there, NS radio and uh, a lot of the Cal stuff and being part of big, big uh, weirdos, weirdo clans. <laughs> so, you know, I got in there and then I stayed, stayed a while um, and got into the playtesting position, worked my way up to the lead playtesting position for development group, and kind of started to do some professional stuff in my personal uh, personal life. So after we released version one, um, the you know the original dev team kind of they made an exit stage left type type thing because they all kind of went into the industry or had you know personal life stuff coming up. So us junior devs, as I like to call it, mm-hmm. the guys who were brought on after the demo release who were just like the fanboys looking up like yes sir you know <laughs> we were kind of we were kind of thrust in the position to be you know take over pretty much and that's what a lot of 07 and 08 was for us you know we had to rebuild our team from the ground up with five guys you know from coming from like this 12 12 man group we, you know we were left for like four or five guys so mm-hmm. because dystopia was really the first mod for Half-Life 2, the first real total conversion for Half-Life 2, and I think that's why it got a lot of its acclaim, was, you know, everybody was yearning for something to play because they came from the Half-Life community, and, you know, there's tons of mods already there, so. And people would actually argue the whole full modification thing, you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't spout it a whole lot that, you know, I guess Dystopia was the first full total modification for and it wasn't even total back then, which is you know so great. Like everyone just kind of wanted to see something different in mm-hmm. in source. And they wanted to play it, so you know you, your mind filled in the gaps of what uh, 
what was missing. And then a couple of years down the road, all these great releases, you know, uh, from anywhere from like the Hidden Source stuff and uh, Plan of Attack all the way to now with Eternal Silence and Insurgency and Zombie Panic Source. I mean, it, it's hard to compete, <laughs> especially if you have to rebuild a team. It's hard to compete now. It's great. Do you remember the original team and, you know, what their kind of motivation was um, during the first couple um, during the first year of dystopia and what, what kind of thoughts were going through their head where they're like, we got to get this out because everybody just wants something or, yeah. uh, were they being more perfectionist and holding back a little bit? Uh, well, uh, I am just not, you know, I'm not going to offend your Australian viewers, but they're Australian. So, you know, there's a <laughs> lot of sitting around laughing, beer drinking, not, you know, not really a huge coordination, but it was there. You know, Good thing Dan's not on the show. <laughs> gonna say they're lazy but let's just say that you know they're really fun loving and they like to take it easy which, is, which is totally good yeah Even they're more than back. canadians <laughs> <laughs> which is good you know and it, it definitely showed with uh with some of how they made the game you know at uh, at first but you know they were like i said they're all australian and we kind of jumped into that um some some little bit of time after the demo first came out. And so, you know, we got a glimpse of what they were thinking. But, you know, uh, no offense to, you know, Fuzzy and Teddy and and, and uh, the guys of old. There, you know, there wasn't a whole ton of planning. And, you know, like I said before, before the show, I'll be the first to admit Dystopia has flaws. I mean, go ahead. Say what, say what I haven't said before. It, you know, there wasn't a ton of planning before Dystopia. Um, but, you know that was that was a dark era you know we didn't have my db there you know interlopers wasn't as big as it is and noesis wasn't around you know there was no podcast 17 it was it was the dark ages what we're we gonna do so that kind of stuff was still in its infancy and then we come out and we're like hey here's this mod what do you, what are you gonna do you know there wasn't a ton of planning so we're just trying to fill in the gaps and rewrite as best as we can without going too much off course yeah and i mean that's that's perfectly fine. Um, what what are the differences though uh, between the two mod groups? Because I didn't actually know about this whole mod or this whole development group change. But what do you think? What changed during that time? Other than of course people. But I mean, were oh, there any man. changes of ideas? Changes of how things were done? Things are a lot more. Um, and this isn't this isn't actually a blow to the Australians because we did have some Americans back you know back then even before when I was on the team. But things just seem to be a lot... Uh... So lazy us Americans as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'm probably I'm one of those lazy Americans too. No, but, um, you know, it's... Things are pretty professional now. You know, we... Uh, back then, you know, we had one main coder. And then, like, another coder who kind of just wasn't around too much. But it was just really one coder on Dystopia when it first came out for with the demo. And it was, like, two mappers and a couple of different artists who were all kind of part of a different group, it seemed, you know, and then one, one dude who filled in like every gap of between testing and, uh, uh, the website stuff. I mean, really what it seems like now is that we have a whole lot more people. We're, we're almost to 24 people on this, this, yeah, the dystopia team right now. And because of that, because of the, the arduous process that they have to go through to actually be on the team, there seems like there's this this bigger collection of ideas and collaboration that everyone has. You know, people just don't accept one person's authority in the game. Say, you know, if you're a level designer, it's like, oh, this is how the map's gonna be. It's you know, everyone's kind of just 
shooting ideas back and forth to each other. And we've got this really cruel, just camaraderie thing that we've, we've slowly just grown on for the last, uh, grown on for the last, you know, two and a half years that just, you can call someone out for something in their map and just, you know, say, Oh, let's, you know, let's get this changed, but no one ever gets offended. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's improvement by committee and, it's it's just hard to to gauge that kind of stuff and put it in words, but the the camaraderie is what really makes it now. We had a very small team, you know, back then. It was spread out over tons and tons of different time zones or very very far time zones. So, you know, it different idea shifts. It, a lot of these guys played other mods, uh, whereas the old team kind of, eh, you know, every now and then. Um, you know, we're always playing, you know, either Eternal Silence for, you know, because we're really good friends with uh, Dan Menard over there. Um, we're, you know, we're kind of sister release pals is what it seems like mm-hmm. with the whole Steamworks stuff. It's kind of <laughs> cool. <laughs> we're like sister mods. Um, you know, we're always playing other mods or, you know, playing games together. So we're always, you know, coming up with, with ideas that I don't, I, I wouldn't say that the last team couldn't. I just think that uh, they weren't really concerned with. So, you know, so just stuff like that. Mm-hmm. When did you guys, I mean, obviously Dystopia is one of the bigger mods in the scene now, but when did you guys turn to each other and say, you know, this shit just got real, and uh, we we are now a big name, and now we have to think, start thinking more clearly. When was that turning point for you guys? Oh, man. Uh, okay, Hot Fuzz fanboy. Let's see. The <laughs> time... <laughs> The time basically when you know when it was released as a demo was was more or less the the big thing for the original mod group. You know that was there like okay, well we got to start doing some stuff because you know if anyone remembers the demo, it was only one map, and all the other maps were still kind of in working, and you know we didn't they didn't really get released until a couple demo updates later. Um, but for us, you know, uh, for people like uh, myself and Phoenix and Twin and uh, you know, a lot of the the junior developers who who made it onto the team. You know, we were we were brought in after the demo, so we were working on version one, which was the first full release, which was like I think seven maps and a new game mode that needs total work. Um, <laughs> and then you know all this different stuff. You know that we were putting into the game, a bunch of new weapons and some implants, that kind of thing. You know, when that that released and that got popular. You know, us as our current team said to ourselves, like, wow, um, there's potential here. I'm not just, like, you know, doing this in my in my free time after I play, you know, some game or something. There is real potential. People download this, and they play it. <laughs> Who would have thought, you know, that kind of thing. So, so I mean, that, that was more, I'd say, you know, you know, early, uh, was it February 07, I think it was, is that we'd, we kind of just sat back and said, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> what have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> and when did the idea of Steamworks come about, and uh, how did that play out, and what kind of things can you tell mod groups now? Um, maybe some um, pointers on how to get their mods on Steamworks. What's the oh. story behind it? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Since you're the PR guy, it should have been <laughs> well, in your hands. You know, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, it's it's walking a thi- uh, thin line, because, you know, everyone knows that there are NDAs signed with Valve and that kind of stuff. But, you know, Valve contacted us. And if there's tips to get, if there's any tips to get on Steamworks, it's make a really highly polished mod and get it popular and so that hopefully Valve will see it. But my biggest thing would be, you know, would say uh, invite Valve because before the demo released in 05, you know, obviously we were one of the groups that were uh, flown out to Valve and that kind of stuff, but 
Valve played a ridiculous amount with the original dev team. Like they were getting on almost, I think, like every once or twice a week just to play, you know, Dystopia when before it was released. And you know, a lot of people don't really like the fact they they kind of they kind of you know turn a blind ear to that, I guess, because of the whole. Uh, they just don't like the idea that Dystopia was so it was given so much by Valve, but that doesn't stop you from you know. Uh, sending an email off to Valve and saying, hey, you know, we got this mod, and it's really good. We just want you to play. Is there any way that maybe on a Friday, after you guys all get out, that, I don't know, you could just play with us? You know, it, nothing come of it, you know, obviously, that kind of stuff. But, you know, make it make your mod aware to Valve, and if not to Valve, then the entire community, because we were contacted over ModDB, and if that's any indication, wow. people should be on ModDB. I mean, that's that's like a... You know, if you're not on ModDB, what are you doing with your life? So, <laughs> <laughs> I like that endorsement. I'm also, putting that on the front page. Also, Team Dystopia proudly supports ModDB. <laughs> if you're not on Podcast 17 either, remember. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Podcast 17. <laughs> that's another, you know. <laughs> uh, looking for these checks at any time. <laughs> no, but um, basically, you know, for, for mod teams, you know, we as our current like junior our, our second generation mod team we've learned something which is you really need to to get more into the community it's not something that we've been that we're really proud to say that we've done in the past but we haven't you know we really haven't done a whole lot of mod db mod casts or features with them or um you know a lot of like cool interviews like this in the past so i mean we're really a dark team not not a whole lot, not a whole lot of people know us so that's a huge mistake you know, and I'll, I'll say that we've made a large mistake just not coming out and saying, well, here's a video about how we do our maps. And here's a video about, you know, character modeling or, or, or audio and putting this because there's a lot of stuff that we learned, you know, or that the last team kind of showed. There's a ton of stuff out there that, that I, you know, there's there's honestly, in my opinion, there's not enough collaboration between mods. Um, but with, with the power of ModDB and Podcast 17, <laughs> there is. <laughs> so, you know... Really, uh, you just have to get get your mod out, get it popular, and make sure it's in you know all the the right communities. And if if you think if you're confident enough in your mod, and it's not some kind of you know no offense to all the just the Half Life Two maps, but it's not just like a you know Half Life Two map run through, then show it off to Valve and say, hey hey guys, you know you got an hour that we could just use and show you. But you know I can't promise that anyone will ever be. Um, asked to join Steamworks in the future. I, I can't, you know, I can't give that guarantee, but I can say that, you know, it's been really fun to work with Valve and it's been an honor kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Ryan, I'll pass the torch to you. All right. Is this where we're so, torching me? Mike, Mike are, you are you ready to go into me? the hot seat? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the hot seat. We're torching me. I get it. All right. Um, so let me just ask you this question to start off. What kind of audience are you developing Dystopia for in your eyes? Is it for more for the hardcore gamer or do you want as many people like are, are you looking for that niche community and you don't mind that or do you want it to be like are are you looking for the same amount of players that Zombie Panic has uh and you know you know even aspiring to greater heights than that? Um okay, so <laughs> It's kind of interesting because there's there's a lot of times out there where people just say, you know, oh, we want, you know, big big player counts or, you know, and they don't actually say it, but they think it. And they kind of want, 
you know, publicity or they want a lot of people to play their mod, that kind of stuff. But, you know, us as a second generation uh, mod team, we came on as total fanboys. Like, the mod was already released and then we came on. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, really what we're trying to do is continue the ide- ideology of the last team, which was we just want to make a game that we like to play. But if other people like us like to play it, we'll do as much as we can to please them in the future. There's no, you know, for us, it's hard to really say, you know, I guess if there is like a target audience, it would be uh, fast paced, you know, people who loved uh, old Quake, Team Fortress type stuff, um, or are fans of like games like Warso, very fast paced, action-y, uh, deathmatch type uh, shooters, but also enjoy the cyberpunk and dystopian genre with Ghost in the Shell or Blade Runner or things like that. So, you know, it's uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I guess I would I would almost say hardcore gamers would be our ideal target, but that's if we you know really wanted some success to come out of mods. And I'm not going to be pessimistic, you know, or I'm I'm going to be a little bit pessimistic by saying this, but some people have to realize that you're just a mod, right? Like, and I don't think that's realized enough. You know, people think that they're going to get picked up by someone and bought out and sold and that kind of thing, and Unless you have a lot of cash for an engine, it's probably not going to happen. So you know, right? But that, but I, I mean, in in terms of just fostering a community, what kind of community are you aiming for? Like, I, I mean, you have you have smaller mods that have very dedicated communities. Like, I mean, Jailbreak is one. They don't they don't tend to get a lot of player counts, but they have a very dedicated community that that, that gathers around to play their mods, and that's that's the stage that I think you guys are at right now. Even though you have released on Steamworks, I mean, it was kind of hobbled with that. Uh, you know that that one file that you had to insert in there. So oh, I mean, oh, you, you, you me. have like you have a low player count. Right now. <clears throat> so it's it's kind of, you know, it's kind of unfortunate uh, in that in that way because it would have been nice to see what kind of players you got would have got right on Steam release. Well, but, um, you know, that's the thing though. We do have a very very dedicated community, and we have for the last couple mm-hmm. of years. I mean, it's no new thing. Our wiki right. was made completely by fans. You know, the backstory was was made by us and then slowly edited and kind of added on like different little corporations or punk organizations were added on. I mean, all of the localization stuff, like we're on Steamworks, we're really the only mod listed uh, with the language more than English. Um, all that, that uh, the localization and the description uh, translations, a lot of the translation type stuff was done by, you know, our our fans, you know, our community. And we have, if you look at the the map list, of all the fan-made maps over, you know, since the demo, we're about 200 fan-made maps. You know, there's a ton and ton of material out there, you know, tons of little voice packs or texture packs or that kind of stuff. So we do have a dedicated community, and there will be that group for a very, very long time because they stuck, you know, stuck through and weathered the storm of the whole, you know, 1.1 to 1.2 transition to, you know, the rele- uh, this release over Steamworks. But player count is definitely something we we like because uh, exposure is is just another way for us to get, uh, you know, people who who enjoy the you know, the kind of game that is this, that is dystopia. You know, a ton of people aren't going to enjoy our game. We have you know we've lit, we've moved on past that fact. It, it's okay. It's acceptable. But you know, we're not trying to get millions, millions, millions of players. It's not our target goal. It would be very, very nice, but it's not realistic. And if we could have large amounts of players like Zombie Panic Source or Insurgency, I you know like I said it would it'd be great. It just what are you gonna do? Do you do? think do you think that 
dystopia could? It could. If we were a lot more adamant about uh, about dystopia, um, it could, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we don't really want to redo. Um, you know, me personally, I would like to see all the weapons remodeled and reanimated and re-rigged. But, I mean, that's that's a huge job for, I think, like 13, 14 weapons um, and like one animator and... You know, that, I mean, that's a, that's a large job. So, I mean, it really, we're going to continue updating as much as we can and, you know, bug fixing and polishing and trying to, to maybe hopefully make changes like that. And if the player numbers go up, that's great. But, you know, we're going to just constantly take fan feedback and criticism and criticism regarding <clears throat> katanas uh, and just, you know, <laughs> take that to heart. Well, so well, you know hold on a sec hold on a sec you brought it up so i'm gonna ask you <laughs> how do you address the tattoos of the world um that say you know your your mod is too cyberpunky or you know all the negative aspects of your mod how do you guys take that constructive criticism or i mean is there such a thing as criticism? too cyberpunky i mean <laughs> it, i don't think tattooers ever actually read snow crash I mean, how, <laughs> yeah, how i i don't think it's right for people to criticize cyberpunk elements of a cyberpunk game right. or for instance you know a zombie element of a zombie game say you know you criticize zombie panic source and you don't you've never actually seen a zombie movie or read you know world war z or anything like that mm-hmm. i don't think it's totally fair that's you know you should have a good idea of this t- you know congress doesn't go in a session without any knowledge of the fucking law so um. you know it, it would probably be a good idea if you read up on but, that um... kind of stuff and if you have <laughs> if you have say you know the tattoos of the world that's great but <laughs> katanas are a pretty large theme in in cyberpunk uh, <laughs> cyberpunk lore so yeah but they're katanas <laughs> ah! <laughs> now if he's just talking about the actual weapon itself like how it plays in game and stuff i mean what are we gonna do we're in episode one engine we gotta with obvious there's there's <laughs> obvious fixes you know we gotta do there so you know, okay. It's not like we haven't thought about a whole lot of that stuff. We do play our own game too. We do know that there's okay. like large flaws. Well, with well, I mean, health. I mean, you know, Tats and and even Dave from ModDB, I, I think I think their their experience are a little colored and, and you know obviously a little biased. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Dave has complained about like the community and whatnot, but I'll get to that a little bit later on. Um, I logged you know a few few solid hours in Dystopia yesterday and. I just want to give you back some of my fan feedback because you know I think I think uh Dystopia is an excellent game. It it's it's very it's very pretty. It's very beautiful to look at. It's I think, you know, the best looking source mod out there. You don't have to dot a little up. No, 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 I'm serious about this. I'm serious about this. The visuals in that, like, you say you have to remodel the weapons. I don't think you do. They look awesome, okay? And, and, uh, and the visuals are, you know, utterly impressive for, for a source mod. And, you know, like, uh, Tatsuro has a bias. I mean, I think, Dystopia has a lot more substance to it than a lot of other mods, especially Zombie Panic Source, but, uh, <laughs> in my opinion. But the problem that I think many people have with it is, like I've said this many times, is I, I stand by saying it, it is an acquired taste because you know there is so many, I think, layers to it and, and it, it does get a little bit more complicated than most Source mods. And 
like you guys had the t- have the tutorial in there with the latest build and I played through that 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 was that was okay I think I think if you guys expanded that tutorial in the future to explain a lot more elements of the game um that would that would help a lot but with when I was playing in maps I played in you know assemble exodus uh a couple others I can't remember the names in the maps but the one with the laser going through the wall and stuff like that mm-hmm. um there's i think when you have as many objectives that you do and and they're kind of there's so many facets to them like you know cyberspace meet space um you know hitting generators in three different places um and, and locking them down and whatnot i think that it really comes a lot down to level design and map design um cuz even though even with with the botched steamworks release you're, the people that are playing right now are either people that are left over from the strong community that you have or just, you know, kind of took it in into their own hands and researched this and, and plugged the file in there so that they could play. So you have a lot of people wandering around the maps. Like, I, just not my, myself. Like, I, could, I would constantly get lost in some of these maps. And, uh, you know, after a few hours, I was, I was starting to find my way around all right. But, you know, I would constantly hear over voice chats like okay well where do we have to go now you guys have the indicators on the map but sometimes there you know there's that that one level where you have to go up 36 stories or to the 36th level and the indicator is like way above you so you know people are look spinning around looking for the indicator and they can't find it um (laughs) so i mean i think since dystopia has a lot of substance to it and has like those levels to different objectives and you know there's a lot of things that you have to do in a level for a set time period that's you know you have to pay that much more attention to the level design uh for example there's another uh criticism in assemble i think it is the one where the laser goes right through the wall or you turn it on mm-hmm. and, and uh, it shoots through the wall there's a part there where you actually go through where the laser shoots and you have to walk through an area of total darkness just to get to the next objective and to some like when when you're playing a map and the way it's lit kind of subconscious subconsciously influences where you have to go i mean you can look at like the left for dead blog that has a really good post on stylized darkness and how they've kind of lit their maps to kind of inform the player subconsciously and and tell them where to go but when you have an area that's like total darkness you think oh i'm not supposed to go that way so you turn around and you find some other way before you know you, you see people actually walking through this, this spot of darkness to get to the next area. Like, just even placing a few lights with there would, would inform the player more. So, I mean, that's just, like, one example. But with something like this, where the levels are so vast and, and have multiple tiers and, and have multiple objectives, I think you have to pay a lot more attention to, to guiding the player in as many ways as you can. Like, I mean, having multiple paths is a good thing, but having players lost and getting frustrated is a bad thing. So like what 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 kind of things are you doing to address that sort of thing? I noticed there's like since I play the beta there's been like more decals and I don't know if that how much that has changed but like there's been like spray paintings of arrows and stuff like that and a few more signs uh sprinkled throughout some of the maps but um like the quality of levels that you have and the quality of level designers, do you think it's it's more just 
just harping on that collaborative process and making sure that, you know, people are up to snuff. Because I notice some people like, you know, some maps more than others, which is normal for a multiplayer mod. But, I mean, I think it's more more in this case down to, like, the actual level design. Sorry, that was a little bit of a long <laughs> No, it's rant, okay. But, it's okay. But it's I just okay. wanted to get that all out. Because, you know, I think Dystopia does have a lot more substance. And, and you know, a lot of other mods, even ES, you know, it's like the concept is different, but it's it's relatively simple. Whereas, uh, you know, Dystopia, you, you have to go in through cyberspace, you have to hack this, you have to, you know, turn on this generator in like three, three different places, um, stuff like that. So, I mean, the complication, I'm not, I'm not complaining about that. I'm just complaining the way the, the level actually design, like guides you to these, these different objectives. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, so basically, you know, you talked about the, to uh, the tutorial first, you know, the tutorial was originally uh, out for version one and it, you know, was originally there to be shown for version one so that, it, you know, all the audio and all the, all the different helpers and stuff that pop up showed and it worked with all the, the different stuff that um, was in version one. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty outdated anyways. Um, it, like, I, I mean, like I've said, you know, it's not that we haven't thought about this stuff in the past, but, you know, redesigning the, tutor the tutorial is kind of a big thing for us because, um, you know, really we were planning to do a, after the, the tutorials release, a, like a three tier tutorial where it's, it's three different like single player stages that take, uh, take place in the same storyline. And basically, you know, the player goes in and the first thing is about, you know, weapons and meat space. And the second, you know, second thing is about uh, capturing objectives and that kind of thing. And third, third is about cyberspace and capturing object objectives in there and actually winning. Um, you know, so we've, we've thought about the tutorial stuff and, you know, I can't say that it's not, it hasn't been pushed around as, you know, as trying to be done or that we're going to be working on it. Um, but we do know the tutorial is flawed. It's, it's pretty bad. Um, and I, I think it was definitely something that helped. Well, I mean, it does explain though. a few things. Like, I mean, playing through the beta build, I didn't know that you could hang off of ledges. Right, right, right. No, I know, I know. But I mean, it's definitely it's something we're looking to, you know, be we're constantly trying to improve. So, you know, we'll probably end up redoing it and making it more of a, a tutorial that you can just, you know, go through and know the game entirely. But at the same time, we're trying to make it a game where anyone can just pick up and they won't have to, um, you know, they don't, won't have to go through tutorial. And there are changes between 1.1 and 1.2 that we tried to do with that. And, you know, you mentioned the it is it's really hard for new players and there's on-screen icons and that kind of stuff. We believe me, us as this like this junior secondary uh, generation, we know it is so hard to just jump in and understand what to do. But that is that goes back to the design of the original game. It's so complex. I mean, you 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 say substance. I use the word ridiculously flawed in design, and it is because. <laughs> You know, with the the level design, we have different objectives for each map. How do you tell a new player? Well, this map has completely different objectives. You have to do different things. You either have to go into cyberspace, or um, you know, uh, capture an objective that way, or do these three things to to get this, or turn on the power to make the laser happen. Blah 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 blah. You know, how do you properly do that? You know, we we did the on-screen helpers. We have the helpers that that actually pop up and do that. Um, and then, you know, there's the tutorial and stuff, and there's there's not a whole ton more we can do at this point besides simplifying what we already have. So, 
you know, the whole basis of Dystopia is that it's it's every map's unique, and the game style should be unique in every type. But if we made the same objectives, but just different maps every time, it wouldn't be any fun. And so it's a rock and a hard place thing for us as the second generation of developers uh, to to make maps that make sense to people and that you know is user accessible. And that's the other thing you 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 um, you touched on is user accessibility. We uh, we call them moth lights um, because they attract you know they're lights that attract you know players. Um, but we did add just like uh, Tomb Raider. A, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, but. <laughs> But in you know in the in the industry it's all about user accessibility and that kind of thing. But so you know we did add a couple of different lights in different places. Uh, Assemble for that you know for that matter has areas where it's like you know it all looks the same. So we added like a stripe around the side so that you know where to go. But it still doesn't explain what is there. So you know what can you do? It's a what can you do type situation other than making stuff easier for a first player. Um, so really, you know, we've we're gonna really we're looking we're always looking to find those areas where we need to add lights, um, or that you know if you look down there somewhere you know uh, further down you know it should be somewhere that you need to go or it'll attract you to go because you know a lot we have like force fields and areas that for because these force field textures that we're using are bright and blue and that kind of stuff so we're using them in places and these, these players are walking up to them like, Oh, am I supposed to go through this? You know, what am I supposed to do? Of course, you know, there are huge flaws, but you know, it doesn't all really go back to the level design. In my opinion, the, the whole objective thing is it's the nature of the beast. You know, we, we have to make unique objectives for each map or else it won't be any fun for each map. We might as well just, you know, delete all, all the rest of our maps and go back to vaccine if that's the case and just have that one, you know, play style. But, we really, you know, can't do much more than that other than try and make it easier. And right. No, I mean, I, I like that's I mean, I think that's part of what makes a map special is those big set piece objectives. But uh, one thing like with those with those little informative pop ups, I think it would be almost better just to have voiceovers to tell you what to do. Um, right. Right. You know, but how because, much cost is that that you're looking at? Because in the industry, cost is a huge thing. And with us, it's a huge thing. You know, we're right. We're moving on. And I'll, I'll just say that dystopia is kind of almost over for us mm -hmm. and we have to factor in cost. Um, and that's a lot of cost for us to do because, because all, all of our stuff in game is all, it's made in a professional studio and uh, it's synced and recorded and, and that kind of stuff. And it's all mixed in a professional studio. You know, we're uh, recording and, and industry artists do all their stuff and we have to look into the cost of, of the money of actual, you know, of, of paying, um, you know, what we're going to give to voice actors to have them do that kind of stuff and the time in order to do that. I mean, we're, we're talking large amounts of co coordination and professional coordination between the audio team, the, the design direction. So, you know, we have to write down what we need them to say, why we need them to say it, because it's got to, you know, convey these points, blah, 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 blah. That's, you know, it's really, it's a really good idea. But... So so why do you decide to do it in this in this recording studio paid way rather than doing it in the way that other mods are doing it? Well, I mean we're not really um we're paying very very low amounts for the recording. I mean we're talking, you know, these guys have hookups. So they're mm -hmm. technically getting in there for free. But okay. we need, you know, we need to give something to the the voice actors. We're not paying them, but you know, we're there's there's stuff that, you know, we got to help them out. But actually going through the time 
and you know actually having the the time for people to coordinate i mean we were kind of lost with with uh the studio stuff with the audio recording right now so i mean our audio guy in russia or in japan you know he doesn't really have everything set up to have voice actors come into his place and start doing that uh we have a guy in australia who could and has the hookups with uh you know with the studio to do that kind of stuff but you know that's it's massive coordination that that we need to do and we don't even know if it's big so you know it would take a long time to experiment if that thing even worked and you know it's a good suggestion and I'll definitely talk it right. over but that's the thing I'm always looking for suggestions to make stuff easier I know believe me I I downloaded you know the Steamworks build when it came out the day of and I was you know looking through and I was like wow this is actually really really hard so it's there I you know I don't doubt it but yeah well I mean really it's not the uh I don't think the the fault of the level designers because you you know you're giving them this game to design level wise and you're saying this is how it needs to be done because that's how it was done in the past so I mean what do you, you can't I do, I just don't think you should really blame them to to be you know totally honest it's more of the design oh I'm know? not I'm Honestly, not placing the blame I'm just saying I'm just saying that's where it could be improved like I mean and the whole thing with the voice acting is sometimes those prompts come up. And you're in the middle of a firefight, and maybe you miss a couple of them, and they might have some pertinent. Right? No, I know. Where you're supposed to go for your next objective. They they could be so they, they could be totally missed by everybody, you know, and and it's right. it's hard to actually integrate that kind of stuff and you know have it shown to the player properly. A lot of people just miss it or they don't read it, you know, and, th- and that's cool. But you know, it's there and it it helps someone. So I mean, we're just looking for more efficient methods, I guess, to to actually teach a player. And if not, you know, really what it is, it's boiling down to is that, you know, we're going to do an entire HUD redesign and a entire uh, loadout menu redesign where it will actually, you know, much like Team Fortress, kind of show videos and coach the player about, you know, this weapon does this, the secondary fire does this, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, stuff like that. So, I mean, they're, we're working on stuff, um, you know, we're, we're right. working on, you know, figuring out the proper stuff with the videos to show, you know, oh, this map is, you know, you do here, this here and this, you know, much kind of like how Team Fortress does it in the, um, not like in the old style, but, you know, kind of keeping up with the theme that there is a theme. You know, right, so. right. Because, I mean, there is a different story behind each map. Like, for example, that, that one where, where it has a laser that you have to turn on and it blasts through a wall, not, not assemble, but what's that other map? Exodus. It's like you're running through caves. I I think it's Exodus. It's, yeah, it's Exodus. Yeah. Where, yeah, and then you have to get the samples. Like, for me, it kind of like it's kind of weird because I don't even know the story behind. Like, why is that laser shooting through the wall? And then you have to go to some completely different area to get like. Oh no! Samples. I know. Like, what it's, was the point of the laser shooting? It's through messed the wall? up. Well, that that map, <laughs> um, you know, because you guys were talking about you know, releasing releasing maps earlier, and I was actually gonna like pipe up and say that you know. Oh, we just released a map that was recently like 80% done. That map actually was started like three months ago, four months ago. And it was started by, you know, someone completely different. And, uh, you know, they're no longer on the team. And so, you know, we had to have like two or three other guys kind of pick it up and and go from there. So, you know, we had to redesign a lot and, you know, optimize the crap out of stuff, make it look good. But, you know, there was the obvious gaps the last like, three or the last two two or th- two or three objectives i want to say are like kind of just you know why is this happening what what what's going on here what, you know why am i even doing this to, you know and we've we've got ideas we know how to fix that specific situation what you're talking about the whole laser shooting the wall um there's going to be a whole yeah. like not reason for doing it but it's going to change it's actually going to shoot you through the building probably 
Um, and you oh, know okay. that that'll be the punk's way of getting in the whole you know because the corporate the corp guys are trying to secure their their little set corp area. So you know there's going to be a whole thing about that. You know it's like oh okay it's shooting through the building and that's where the whole right. building like the whole brick building is there. That yeah, kind of I mean but right that, now like, it has makes to it a little more sense. It's like yeah, it shoots through the wall and then you're like oh maybe yeah, and it shoots it shoots it shoots through like this this small like tunnel of a wall and it's like oh my god what, why why is that even there in the first place? Not why why is it shooting through? But why is it even there? But yeah, no, I know it's you know. Yeah. I know people are, are are passionate and colored about about dystopia and a lot of, you know especially a lot of the people who haven't been dedicated players for the last couple of years you know they, they come in and they say all these different things and you know I'm I've been prepared for this for a while I know that stuff is is messed yeah. up and we're trying our best to to solve a lot of the stuff but we've got a ton of stuff well, on our plate so I mean the whole tutorial I mean, from, stuff from we're, my perspective we're redo that no I mean from my perspective I just hope you guys don't take it in a way it's like okay well we have to simplify this because I mean. There, there's so many mods that would look at it in a way that's like, okay, let's simplify it. Whereas I like the tiered objectives and I like that, you know, there's different things that you have to do in the map and it, and it is a little bit more complicated. Sure, that might not cater to all of the players, but... Well, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to keep the level of complex, well, not the complexity, but as I guess you said, substance, you know, keep the amount of uniqueness that, that each objective in each map has without actually making stuff, like dumbing it down. You know, we're trying to make it easier exactly, for people to exactly, understand yeah. that, you know. Trying to make it easier it's, without... It's really hard down, to do that kind of stuff. kind of sounds weird. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll tell you, it's really hard to do that kind of stuff. It, you know, the tutorial's got to say somewhere that each map is, you know, is different. And here's the little on-screen objective. You know, go towards this, you know, as best as you can. But, you know, improving the, you know, those areas are, are something that our, our test team is always looking for to kind of be like, oh, okay, well, you know this on-screen objective could be misleading if you're, you know, over here or something like that. So, you know, it's a constant improving improvement thing. And that's why we're so happy we have Steamworks now. Uh, not really because more or less the exposure, it's more because, you know, we can just make those tweaks and constantly be updating it. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, that definitely helps for cool. your product. Well, I mean, Cybernet Cybernetic, I think, is one of my favorite maps. Um, that's the one where you have to escort the hostage, right? Just to make sure. I always get, like, the mm -hmm, names mixed mm -hmm. up. Yeah. Yes, yeah. the coffin, the floaty coffin. I, I thought that one was really well done in terms of, in terms of the yeah, in terms of the uh, objectives. Really well laid out. Mm -hmm. I think it was the best laid out of all the maps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, I mean it, it's it's definitely got its. Uh... Oh, go ahead. Go I was ahead. just gonna ask. So, what does the future have in store for Dystopia? Then, I mean, obviously, you're 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 hinting at new objective-based things. I mean, you got the new coffin floating, which is kind of new for Dystopia. But uh, what's you said you're almost done though. So what does that mean? <laughs> well, for now, for the people on the team who are still very you know passionate uh, about dystopia, it's back to basics for a lot of those guys. You know, we're gonna revisit a lot of the design stuff and hopefully, you know, do a lot of the stuff like uh, make a consistent art theme between the weapons and um, you know, kind of redo a lot of the animation because you know. It, yeah, you get these different weapons, and you're kind of like off, and you're like, what? You know, why? Why does? Why is this different than than the last weapon? Like, there's no there's no theme between you know the weapons, that kind of stuff. So, and then like I said, back to basics, redoing tutorials, redoing the HUD, you know, redoing uh, the the loadout stuff, and making just tr generally trying to make stuff easier, I guess, for people. And you know, some of it's gonna be a lot in the level design, but there's not a ton plan as far as content goes in the future. It's gonna be a lot of bug fixes. It's gonna be um, a lot of like uh, 
like code changes like the uh, the HUD and the loadout, like I said. Um, and then, you know, we'll add like tweaks and features to kind of stuff. We'll probably end up removing a couple of different things. Like we've gotten really negative feedback regarding the uh, control change to the leg, leg booster. So we'll probably end up reverting that. Just, you know, revisiting a lot of the stuff that we kind of play through and we know how to use, but a normal player wouldn't. So, you know, anything... Yeah, can I ask, what was, what was the impetus behind behind uh, changing the control features for the leg booster? I mean, what what made you go from just pressing the space bar and holding that down to pressing the shift button and the space oh, bar? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, just one of our programmers was really was adamant <laughs> about it. And you know, he didn't like the whole the whole thing about, you know, uh, you know, cause he, he wanted to bunny hop basically and he didn't want to have to, um, oh, change. Okay. Yeah. To like change and turn off the leg boosters just to jump. So, you know, we need to revisit actually a way instead of just reverting, probably look into a way to make it, you know, that you have a key for both jumps or something like that. We did have those, you know, we, we played around with it for a while and it was kind of the best thing that we could find, but you know, we might just end up reverting. Who knows? Interesting. So, uh, I guess we we gotta wrap up soon. I hate to end this like enthralling interview. Like this is one of our best interviews of podcast seventeen. I'd have to say, but uh, to be honest, it has been. It's... Sure, it's maybe it's just my long rant. Well, just... no, 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 that's fine. Hey, I'm. I yeah, I know. I, I talk a lot, but I'm always willing to to come on and talk and admit, you know, our mistakes and say that we're actively trying to change them. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say mistakes, but it's it's very, very good feedback for everybody out there who's looking to get into the mod development scene. So if you had to say maybe like one or two sentences um, to, you know, mod groups out there that are aspiring to be like Dystopia, get themselves on Steamworks, what would be like the overall engrossing theme? Like the be-all, end-all, the conclusion of Stay this discussion. Stay grounded. Stay grounded. People need to... People... <laughs> yeah well stay i would say stay grounded you know and be realistic with your expectations but planning 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 we're talking production schedule complete design document complete it's got to be pristine and say exactly what happens with an audio when it triggers what you know like we're talking the smallest moments it's got to be complete art direction templates and art uh, art request assets sound direction uh, information like you need a producer if you don't have one you need an associate producer if you don't have one and they need to work in conjunction the production staff needs to work with the design staff and all the leads to constantly be adding documentation always in meetings if get in ventrilo get on skype get on whatever you need to get and just write down as much stuff as you can and constantly try and be improving stuff because you know art direction is huge and sound direction is huge, and programming, planning, and and, uh, and asset requirement lists. I mean, that's it's paramount to a mod. There's so way too many times that people have changed stuff because they haven't had you know planning. Well, yeah, you know, communication is a big thing. You know, vent, IRC, uh, Skype, whatever, IM, whatever it might be. But I mean, I'm I'm telling you, it's it's so important to have a good you know a good production schedule and a, a finished design document, um, and you know have all the the correct documentation behind like art direction that kind of stuff so and i'm talking like theme for weapons theme for, you know color oh sorry by the way have you actually hired a associate producer uh we just took on um zan from uh he worked on project valkyrie um the project valkyrie mod uh from a couple uh, months ago and then he uh he's oh, part right. of the baron bow team yeah yeah 
Mm-hmm. He's actually the one who hooked yeah, up the so interview we, for us. We took him on as the AP. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, we've got another spot. Uh, it's it's going to, you know, I can't really divulge too much, but there's another spot. It's there. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't put it past people actually telling, you know, or uh, sending emails in. Okay. And uh, so as we wrap this up, where can people find out more information about Dystopia? Like, obviously, Steamworks, but uh, any sites you want to plug or anything? Uh, well, as far as plugging goes, I mean, not too many, but, you know, people obviously can go to Hasn't dystopia-game.com. already? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> MarDB, Podcast 17, Interlopers. Yeah, they're, they're the stuff. No, I mean, actually, our ModDB profile is great, and we love ModDB for doing it and for helping us out and, and coordinating with all that different stuff. But uh, look forward to a kind of uh, dystopia party uh, very soon. We got, um... Woo! There's... There's some interesting guests that you guys would, you know, that a lot of people would very, uh, very much like to, to talk to. Can't really say too much right now, but I think uh, people might want to pay attention to the week uh, weekend of the 21st. Is what I'm what I'm hearing. All right, interesting. Okay, so we got popular people. So yeah, interesting. So we got to wrap this up, and I apologize for all the listeners who are very much in tune. Um, but that has been Mike Urinal Cake from Dystopia. A very good mod, in my opinion, a classic. For Half-Life 2, it'll go down in the history books, in my opinion, as one of the first real mods. I don't care what other people say. Um, And it's just so amazing. You can really take a lot out of um, their mod and how they developed and, you know, the processes they've they've done to get this far. So uh, without further ado, uh, I'd like to thank, I don't know if uh, Thomas is back, but I, uh, I don't know. I'd like to thank Ryan, though, for coming on the show and providing a lot of really good questions. It's always a pleasure to come on and, and rant. <laughs> and Mike, of course, from Dystopia, thank you. Yeah, well, thanks, no problem. You know, it was a pleasure, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think Thomas is here, but uh, I'm sure he is thanked as well and uh, likes being on the show. So anyway, uh, that wraps up another edition of Podcast 17. If you have any questions, be sure to send it to feedback at podcast17.com and uh, always comment on our podcast. We like having comments. Uh, And, you know, maybe we can forward some of those questions. If you have any questions for Mike, maybe we can forward some of those questions over to Mike and he can um, answer them maybe via email or something like that. So that would be awesome. And without further ado, another podcast is out.